0: you're listening to stir crazy with steve jenkins conversations with creatives during the quarantine hey people this is stir crazy with steve jenkins and i am steve jenkins i hope everyone's doing well it's getting more difficult right there's nothing normal or comforting about what's going on right now and I'm not complaining and I don't really have a right to because all I have to do is stay home and luckily I'm able to shelter in place and there's stuff to do like I got remote sessions I can do for people done a couple of those I've been teaching Skype lessons and I'm also working on some new content for various things so I have a place to occupy myself and that's been keeping me sane right now but I know we all miss each other we miss our friends we miss our families but I don't think we can really jeopardize the efforts that we're making by not seeing these people we got to honor the folks who are really doing the hard work in the thick of it the first responders the doctors the nurses the scientists the virologists the public health officials, the delivery drivers, the people who work at the grocery store, or anyone who's working in a service industry that can still safely operate. They're fighting, and we gotta remember that. I've been getting some good feedback on this podcast since I started it, and I wanted to say thanks to everybody who's been listening. Just a reminder, you can listen to this on Apple Podcasts, you can listen to it on Spotify, you can listen to it on Stitcher, and you can also listen to it on Google Play. And if you think of it smash that five stars baby all right today i am talking to alex skolnick alex is an amazing guitar player who is probably best known for being part of the legendary bay area thrash metal band testament and they actually just released a new record a couple weeks back called titans of creation alex was in testament from the time he was a teenager into his early 20s and then from there he moved on from testament and he did some playing with some great bass players, like Stu Ham, and he did some stuff with Michael Manring. And he also played with the band Sabotage for a little bit. But eventually he moved to New York City to study at the New School and pursue his desire to play jazz. And after that, he started the Alex Skolnick Trio, and they play cool jazz-influenced versions of classic rock and metal tunes, as well as their own original stuff and eventually he made his way back to Testament and now he exists in two musical worlds. Alex is a friend of mine and we had a great chat about his origins, where he grew up, what drew him to jazz, the challenges of being a well-known musician expressing their political views on social media. And he also gives some observations and some insight as well as his very intelligent and measured take on the state of things. The conversation went like this. I know you guys were overseas with like death angel and uh exodus
1: yeah yeah uh we're pretty lucky to get through our tour um except for two shows um the first cancellation was in uh, milan and even about two days before it still seemed like we were going to do the show and then you know as as uh has been reported you know they were the first city in europe that was hardest hit the first region in italy so yeah we got that notice about 48 hours before the show that uh, you know the local officials are canceling all large-scale events and then uh, we thought it would just be there but then by the time we were at our second to last show brussels belgium um, we got word that the final show Hanover, germany was cancelled and that same show we were playing Uh, brussels it was ended up being the last uh concert or whatever else was happening that night that was we were the the last concerts in in brussels and then very quickly the whole continent was shut down and we got out just in time
0: wow man yeah, you're like one of like three or four people I know that were sort of over there. Right, as like stuff was turning that turning to that corner, that corner where it's just like, all right, everyone's got to come back to the states.
1: Um, yeah, and we we weren't expecting that. I mean, we um, we had like right now, I'm I'm home in Brooklyn, but if had none of this happened, I would have been in Australia oh wow yeah so i'm supposed to be in australia and then um next week or actually it might even be right right around now we were supposed to follow that up with trips to um thailand singapore and indonesia so the first thing the first shows to go were the the uh, asian shows now those got cancelled so by the end of the european tour we knew we weren't going to asia especially because at that time you know it was blowing up in in china and it seemed like it might be more in that part of the world and then um yeah by the time we finished the tour of course you know the, we've australia was on the verge of getting cancelled and then um everybody else's shows were getting cancelled and yeah um yeah and of course i had other friends there <clears throat> as well uh Stu ham for example was over there oh and right right and i just yeah we started messaging and I, I just knew i'm you know sorry bro your your, your tour over <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Um, i've yeah some others too like, i mean other other bands that were and then soon it, it was just everybody within yeah the span of less than a week
0: yeah, I saw the posts um, from different people. Like, I saw your post about the tour uh, being cut short by a couple shows. Um, Lafave was over there with, with, he was over there with crantz but then he was playing with someone else. I just talked to him. Um, then my buddies, you know that band Lettuce? They were touring over there, and they had to cut their tour short by a few dates. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty, pretty scary
1: the head of just to see all the announcements like remember there were a couple days that you you could not look at instagram without this flood of announcements you know to all our fans we are deeply you know <laughs> and you knew and uh and it, yeah it was just surreal
0: yeah, it's it's unbelievable, man. What's what's Brooklyn been like since you've been back? I talked to Vernon yesterday for a minute and he was like he said he drove into Brooklyn, he said it was pretty crazy. But what what's what's Park Slope and like uh Prospect Heights and that area, like by Barclays? Like are is anybody going out or what's the
1: Well the first um so I, I got back um exactly two weeks ago. Um uh, mm. late <clears throat> You know, tech, late at night Thursday, or technically early morning Friday, and um, today's Friday. So, <clears throat> so that weekend, um, there was a lot of denial. Like all the bars were packed. Wow. wow, people lining up to get in. All the Brooklyn haunts, all the barbecue places. You know, it was just like, what? What is wrong with you, people? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And um, then last weekend, it, it was a little less so, but, you know, it still like too too much. I mean, it's too, still too much denial. And then finally, you know, the big shutdowns happened. So now at least, um, you know, it's it's, it's much quieter. Um, I just went for a run. You know, I'm still, we're still, you know, we're still allowed to exercise. That's uh, good, yeah. Stay away from people. I've, I've been uh, riding my bicycle a lot more than I used to. I've really gotten to appreciate the way New York City is set up for um, for cyclists, as long as, long as you stay <laughs> in the right, you know, the safe areas. Uh, especially yeah. now, now it's really safe. Um, but yeah, you see a lot of very quiet areas. Um, there's yeah, you know, whole avenues sometimes where I mean I, you know, I would say it's empty if you wait for a few minutes you'll you'll see it empty but there's usually some cars out and there's always people on the street just not as many as usual um but yeah and you're you know you're supposed to avoid people but it's which is easier to do especially when you know, when there's so few cars you can just sort of walk out on the street and, and avoid people um and generally you know, there's a lot of masks and gloves and um yeah, you know new york's new york's pretty tough generally but you know you can see people that just look it looks like a scene from um, I don't know what was that what was the Tom Cruise movie with uh, Dakota fanning War of the Worlds was that war of the worlds? yeah, 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 there's just sometimes like not that it looks like that because you know there's no destruction, but just the uh, some some people you know the mood is very is very similar.
0: Yeah. It's weird, man. Like, um, I, I, so I was also wondering, cause I haven't really heard anyone talk about this from that, from that side of the country, but like, are cabs doing anything or are they, or is that kind of, they kind of reduce the number of people driving around?
1: I think it's reduced, but you, you do still see some cabs. Yeah. Yeah. When I take my bike rides, um, I take my camera with me and, um, when I've taken, Photos. Sometimes, yeah, you know, when I'm get it, capturing a, an empty avenue, like the one vehicle that's out there is a cab or a bus, so they're still out there. In fact, I just saw a line for the bus, and I was really surprised. But everybody was spaced apart, so it went all the way down the street. Okay, that's they good. Were, you know, they were doing proper distancing. But it, yeah, it was it was surreal. It was like, like this very long line of people, like st- stretching a couple city blocks, all, uh, you know, spaced by uh, from each other by about six feet. So it's probably like
0: 15 people total or something, right? Something like not that many people, but just adhering to.
1: Yeah, I think it looked like more people than it was.
0: Yeah, that's, that's insane, man. Um, I mean, that's maybe the one cool thing about la in that regard is like there's a lot of people but it's not super hard to keep away from folks um for the most part uh if you're going to a store right now or something it's probably a little bit difficult but some of the better places have implemented ways to kind of make sure people are keeping distance and um trader joe's has somebody with hand sanitizer that like you know, put some in your hand when you go in there and they kind of limit the number of people that can go in at one time. So it's been cool, but I haven't really been shopping. Like as soon as they sort of said, uh, I mean, like I had a session the Wednesday that there was that announcement, there was like a national emergency or whatever, but, uh, as soon as like, as soon as that happened, I like went shopping and sort of got it over and done with. So I've been kind of hunkering down and then there's some takeout, there's some places that have takeout and sometimes like I'll, I'll do those. Um, cause it's, it's been pretty safe to like, just kind of go in and grab your order and there's really nobody in there. So it's, it's been okay. But, uh, all the trails and the beaches are sort of closed up right now. Cause, cause of, you know, people weren't really adhering to the, to the, uh, uh lockdown. Do you have any kind of, any kind of like quarantine, uh, at this point? Are you like, you making music now, or are you sort of just processing it and buffering. Like, what's what's been what's your day to day been like?
1: Well, the first week, <clears throat> I was very um, low energy. You know, I was just after you know uh, five weeks on tour. Um, sometimes every other tour or so, you know, you come down with this this cold afterwards because your body is just destroyed. Um, and I did. There was no fever. No dry cough, um, you know, no COVID-19 symptoms. That's good. Um, But I was, you know, between being told not to go out and just (laughs) being, you know, bedridden from exhaustion and being sick, um, it it actually felt very normal to isolate and be quarantined. Um, So I started getting my energy back uh, about a week ago. And um, yeah, I've sort of I've been refiguring my whole um, routine. Um, it's it's very different. Um, you know, I'm you know, I, I had my routine for you know, like how many times I would leave the house, and there's certain things I like to do um, outside, um, and you know, if writing and certain. Um, certain projects I'll, I'll work on in a cafe, that's done. Right. No more. Um, so, you know, just, um, just balancing it out. Like, okay, what am I going to work on? Um, when am I going to leave the house and get fresh air? Because, you know, I need I need that sense of um, like showing up at work. Mm-hmm. If I'm gonna work, on, say I'm gonna work on, um, you know, a project a that involves home recording. Well, yeah. I'm, and I live, yeah, you know, I live in New York where the you know, the apartments aren't that large, so I don't have like a separate studio. just, just the same, <laughs> the same sofa? I might do other projects on. All um, will gotcha. Do my guitar, my so. <clears throat> you know, I need to space it out and then take a break and come back to it. And yeah, you know, just uh, there's just a lot of uh, refiguring things. But uh, yeah, I'm getting I'm getting things done. I mean, I'm um, I'm actually pretty busy with projects. There are some um, guest appearances for you know recordings that I need to do at home, which I was going to do anyway. Um. And I'm, I'm working on um, a project, a uh, music education project, with um, a publisher. And, oh, cool. Um, yeah, that ha- hasn't been announced, but it's um, that, that, a lot of work, too. So that that keeps me busy. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to keep up with... Yeah, everybody, Everybody's doing home concerts and home. So I've I've done a couple clips, um, but it's it's tough. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I I can't really do that unless I'm inspired. Right. Uh, I have some friends that are going on every single day, at the same time and sort of doing <laughs> doing a live at at home thing, and it's cool. Yeah. Uh, that's. Uh, I, yeah, I haven't really found that that groove yet. But, you know, I, when I am inspired, I, I, I try to record uh, what I'm working on. I just um, was working on one of my favorite uh, John Schofield solos, and I posted that. Oh, which one? I didn't see it yet. Um, it's from um, the song. It's from uh, Swing Spring. Uh, okay. Off Joe Henderson's album, So Near. Oh, Something right. Miles Tribute. That's, I love, it's one of my favorite albums. And That's a great record, man. It's one of my favorite playing of his. I, I like always playing but i feel like that album it's really special Mm -hmm. and um i think i'm gonna be doing more of that because i don't know i just i enjoy like sharing a favorite solo or a section of the solo and especially a lot of people in my you know i guess my target audience um they might not know that stuff you yeah you'll know it and other friends of mine will but a lot of them won't, won't know it and it's It's fun.
0: Yeah, I I kind of remember that whole thing, man. Like, uh, I mean, this is like way before like I knew you and stuff. But just the whole like, you know, he he's he's learning jazz. Like, what you know? uh, But but yeah, it's it's. I feel like it's interesting because now we're in this interesting phase of music where there's a lot of stuff that kind of overlaps. You know, like there's definitely a lot of people that are like jazz literate people that play metal or, you know, like it's, it's just become a lot more uh, cross pollinated in in a larger sense, you know, which is pretty awesome.
1: I think it's awesome. Yeah. I know. I remember, I, yeah, it was a really weird thing at one time, but I always felt like, you know, it, it shouldn't be. And if I feel passionate about a certain uh, piece of music or a certain genre of music um why why not um you know dive into it yeah but you know i don't you know don't care what anybody else says and and yeah it's good it's great that it's it is more accepted now and uh you've got you know you have folks that i'm you know it's we're still a minority but (laughs) i'm certainly not the only one who does it
0: oh no no not at all man um it's, it's funny like i remember being in music school and um me and some friends were listening to rain and blood and uh this guy who's a really good jazz drummer he walked by our room i guess the door was open and we thought he was going to come in and just like trash it or and he was like man he's like that drumming sounds like 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 the best some of the best free jazz shit i've ever heard you know so he was he was like a lombardo fan um you know, so it's 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 just it's just weird, man. You don't you know, no one really knows like how that stuff kinda spreads across the musical spectrum. But um yeah, it's weird, man. There's like so many players that have that thing in their playing and you can kinda hear it. You know, it's and it's I think it's pretty cool, but I feel like you were like one of the first people, you know?
1: I think um, so. If I may say, yeah. Especially yeah. in my genre. Cause there's really not many people. I mean, there's a younger guy now uh, who's become a good friend of mine, uh, Dave Davidson. And yes, yeah, he can, yeah, you know, he can jazz his ass off <laughs> and, Yeah, and the stuff, but he also leads his own band and, and sings and it's, yeah, it's brutal. The stuff he does, it's like oh, yeah, very,
0: revocation, right? Revocation.
1: It's extreme metal. Yeah. But, those
0: guys are awesome.
1: You know, he can, we, we, we've, we've jammed together and, um, we're going to do it more. And, uh, but that, yeah, that's it's a minority. Um, but I think part of it, for me too, part of the joy of it is just is um, just sharing it because I you know I had a lot of responses to this. Uh, Say, wow! I've never heard that. I'm gonna go check it out right now. Right. And then, um, of course, all yeah, I'll get the occasional person. Man, play the over the wall solo. <laughs> right. But then there's a like from Osnoy and Joe Bonamassa, and and then I just got a message from like Cheryl Bailey, and I'm just oh okay, this is so cool, yeah, yeah. So just to sort of be interacting with you know with folks that I respect so much in on that on that level, but also sharing you know sharing it with people who who might not be familiar so i think you know that that was always i've done that um every now and then yeah you know, i have a few clips like that where i'll just post a solo or part of a favorite solo or um maybe me yeah, breaking down some ideas like i've done that with um well i did a chick thing a little while back on spain i've done that with holdsworth um mm. I th- yeah I, I just I think now <laughs> it's it, it's a good, it's a good time to do more of that. <laughs> yeah,
0: I've been thinking about doing the same. Um, every now and then, like I'll pull up something um, that like was sort of, I guess, uh, a, played a seminal role in in some kind of part of my development, but it hasn't been a regular thing. Um, I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat in a way, like I'm, I'm going to do some stuff, but I haven't really figured out when, you know, like I have, I have the gear to do streaming pretty well. I just don't know. I, I think I'd probably make a set, you know, like, cause I can program and play other instruments. So I, I could probably like, you know, do versions of my tunes where, <laughs> where I just, you know, programmed all the stuff and then, you know, play it live. Um, yeah. so
1: different things you can do you know um, yeah yeah you
0: know,
1: I've, so, I've seen you know there's some some guys that you know just get really creative with it um, I don't know if you know this young guy uh, the funk player Mono Neon oh yeah, yeah I, know, I know him yeah I, I don't know him personally but I've, I've met, met him once and yeah I just I really enjoy his playing and he posts these crazy Sort of, you know, talk singing um, arrangements with yeah. like clips of, you know, YouTube rants of by Cardi B and you know. yeah, and, it, and he's great. Like, no, you know, it's what a, what a cool thing. You know what I mean? That's totally. I know. Yeah, I know he's not the only one that does that, but he he does it really well. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of. You know, he's kind of got a carved out a niche doing that. Yeah,
0: I'm, he's a he's yeah. Go ahead, man. Sorry.
1: No, no, I was just gonna just gonna say yeah. He uh, that's that's one way of doing doing it. And for me, like a lot of this the stuff that I've been posting so far and that I'm planning to post. It's it's stuff I do anyway. It's like stuff I'm always working on. Yeah, because it's just a part of what I do is, is transcribing. Mm-hmm. For, for yeah, ever since I started improvising. Um, you know, on a, you know, it just, I guess, ca- capable ever since I started, you know, capably improvising it, transcription was always a part of it. And I had several teachers that, you know, sort of encouraged it. Like this should just be a regular part of what you do. And I even studied with some players who were like in their sixties at the time and they're still transcribing stuff.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's one of the only ways to really keep yourself um maybe ahead of the curve you know because you're you're uh you're kind of increasing everything maybe tenfold if you pick the right transcription you know like those things can turn into rabbit holes for like new ways of building vocabulary you know you can take one phrase that could literally be a dna strain for like 15 different ideas so
1: yeah absolutely and it's it spawns so many ideas yeah what i also want to make i'm planning to make some videos like talk talking about that and just showing that that part of the process because that takes a little longer that doesn't really fit in like a you know minute long instagram clip
0: yeah that's that that's what's cool about mono's thing with the instagram stuff is like he's made stuff that's sort of not disposable but it's like meant for like quick consumption and um it's that's there's an art to that whole thing but I was going to ask um what was I mean i I, you probably have answered this a million times but I don't know if I've ever heard the answer to this but what was the thing that kind of pulled you in the direction of getting into more improvisational music like was it just just you started listening to it and were like hey I really like this was it kind of on that level or was it was it just something like what what brought that on
1: um, yeah, I, you know, I, I guess everybody's path is really different. Um, yeah. so in my case, you know, uh, joining a gigging band, right. Which mm-hmm. was, Testament, um, the, ba- well, it was the band that would become Testament. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, in the 11th grade. Um, and that just, um, yeah, I think that, that, sort of to push me to another level because okay, suddenly there's this incentive. You know, the the same clubs where I'm going to hear these new bands like Exodus and Megadeth and Slayer. Um Slayer was like just visiting for the first time at that point. Wow. I mean, I'm joining a band that's like, you know, supporting on some of those I I better <laughs> practice more <laughs> so that was yeah that was a big um moment uh that just really yeah cause caused me to push harder and then um i guess it was like, yeah, a couple years later from so the i joined the band i was 16 um by the time i was 18 um we were making the first recording And I I guess it was, um, the following year, like after touring and, uh, you know, doing my first national tour, first time playing outside of the uh, country, um, I felt, you know, I felt myself growing like that whole time, but I didn't, I felt like, um, there were many more places to go. Mm-hmm. I felt like okay, I reached this level where, yeah, you know, I've got my sort of yeah, you know, I've got my basic style, and it's inspired by yeah, you know, Randy Rhodes, Inve, Van Halen. Hmm. But i yeah. I just had I had like several um, epiphanies in a very short amount of time. That involving jazz and they were like uh, one after the other and just each one was like a knockout punch and mm-hmm. I, I don't remember which came first but I I remember um, seeing uh, a public TV performance of Miles Davis and um, I think it was while we were making uh, second record, and I was rooming with Testament's bass player at the time, who Greg Christian, who who was flipping channels and wasn't interested. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and he was about to flip the channel. You watch, and I'm like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the most awesome thing I've ever seen in my life. So, and it was um one of Miles' electric bands. Okay. So, it's, this. Di- it didn't even hit me that, oh, I like jazz now. It was, you know, I, I'm not even sure who was in the band. Um, okay. But, you know, it was screaming guitar. So it was probably either Schofield, Robin Ford, or Mike Stern. You know what yeah. I mean? It was like that period of miles. And just on fire. <laughs>
0: Yeah, man. I I know there's a couple concerts that have been released um, from various areas, like uh, various various eras. Um, Like, did you ever get into that record Decoy?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In fact, that was sort of my introduction to Skokul. Okay. Because uh, Scott Henderson. Yeah, that was another like within this short period of time, I would discover all these musicians. And it was, they were definitely, it was definitely more on the jazz rock side of things. Yeah. Um, but I remember Scott Henderson, uh, I, I heard him and I was just totally knocked out. And um, he had a column in one of the guitar magazines and he mentioned uh, Decoy specifically and John was yeah. playing on that record. So, oh, I got to check that out. And, and I was like, oh my God, you know, that, and it, yeah, it, and I realized, okay, yeah, this must be like the. It's either the same band that I saw, or it's you know, it's close. It's hard yeah. to know. I mean, so many lineups of Miles at that time. Um, there's this this film that came out recently, Birth of the Cool, and it has some great footage from that period uh, with Stern, and it, it's it's pretty killing.
0: I've been waiting to watch that. I know it's. I think it's on Netflix, um, and I've been been waiting to like dive in. I have like a nice queue of stuff to catch up with while we're in this uh, period of time. Um, But yeah, man, did you get into any of the Schofield stuff, like the Blue Matter stuff with Dennis and Gary Granger as the rhythm section?
1: Yeah, so I got into all that. Um, I saw Schofield when he came to town. Um, I saw him at Slim's in San Francisco, which sadly uh, closed down. Um, I saw him at at Yoshi's. So that was another thing. So this this Japanese restaurant called Yoshi's, which was literally a 10-minute walk from the, the house I grew up. I grew up near the Berkeley Oakland border. Oh wow! And this, this Japanese restaurant, Yoshi's. I'm, we, I remember going there from the time I was a kid. You now I give my parents credit for being uh, kind of culinarily, culturally enlightened. You know, <laughs> Japanese restaurants. Uh, you know, a, Indian restaurant. Yeah, at a, at a young age, and I was very surprised. You know. When I yeah, you know, by the time I was in high school or college age and just meeting people that never ate that stuff. And you know, like I I grew up with that. So I was always you know, I remember going to Yoshi's from the time I was a kid, and then they expanded at one point and added a jazz club. And yeah, you know, when I was a kid, yes, I I was like first, you know, a KISS fan and and Same. then about Ozzy and Van Halen same <laughs> I was, yeah so i you know i wasn't i was i wasn't that interested but it was really wasn't that much longer that you know just going to yoshi's was a thing we did and then there were times i would just walk by and hear some of the jazz there and i was just totally knocked out so then as, as soon as um i had this you know discovery of you know, Miles and the musicians who'd played with Miles. Um, I started going to Yoshi's and you know, catching shows, and I, I saw McLaughlin there. It's oh, a wow. real mall place to see McLaughlin too. I mean, it was, it was really, this. This was the original Yoshi's too. They um, a few years later, they moved to um, Jack London Square, where they still are. And then that place was more the size of. Like um Birdland or the Iridium. Um I saw Demiola there. Uh, you know they would do like their like um smaller projects. So when I saw McLaughlin it was it was just Kai Eckhard and treelock Gertrude.
0: Oh man, that trio was so blazing, man. That's that's some mm-hmm. of my favorite stuff that he did.
1: Um both
0: right, lineups. Would-
1: yeah and so you're you're seeing those guys and you're just like so close um and i you know i saw i so you know so i'm getting more and more into that and then um when testament did the next record this is about a year later uh we recorded it in berkeley at fantasy studios and fantasy has this um you know historic um connection to jazz you know um bill evans had recorded there um mccoy tyner had recorded there um i mean you could just the the walls were plastered with you know people who'd been these all these greats who'd been recording there like all all throughout the 70s um so fantasy also had a record label and right the record label was located uh, in the offices above the studio. So right around the time we were recording this album, um, fantasy bought the catalogs of several defunct jazz albums, jazz, jazz labels. Mm -hmm. Right. So they included, um, I think it was like Riverside, um, impulse. And that me, at the time you know those a lot of those records were out of print um cds were quickly overtaking vinyl so they all had to be mastered for cd so um they were in the process of remastering all this all this music for cds so i walked by um one of the studios and i i heard the most amazing saxophone playing I've ever heard in my life. And, you know, the thing that had gotten me to want to play, be a soloist and be a virtuoso was hearing eruption for the first time. Yeah. You know, a lot of our players talk about that, that moment. Yeah. You know, the needle hit the record and they first heard eruption for the first time. That's and a good I, moment. nothing had hit me like that since then. And I, I was just ready to be knocked out like that. And this, this did it. And I asked a guy working at the studio, I'm like, who is in there? And and I started laughing. He goes, that's John Coltrane. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew enough that, yeah, John Coltrane, I don't think he's alive. Right. Yeah. He's like, no, (laughs) we're remastering him uh, for CD. (laughs) <laughs> so they had it set up for remastering, and it. it was it was it was blasting, but it was just perfectly dialed, in. it sounded like they were in the room. And it was they were remastering um, John Coltrane live at Birdland on Impulse Records, and it has this cadenza in the song "I Want to Talk About You," which is just that to me that's like the eruption of uh, saxophone. So that just knocked me out, and they were so nice to me. These folks at, at Fantasy, and they they said, "Hey, when we're done remastering it, you're you're technically a client of the studio, so we you, you, we can get you a copy." I'm like, "Oh, that would be amazing!" And like, in fact, here's a list of all the albums we're remastering. Just make some of them might cost a dollar. Oh wow. I went crazy and I be thanks to because of that I got this massive collection of jazz on CD of straight ahead jazz and also at that point I I had started um, taking lessons again and kind of seeking out um, jazz musicians and because so at some point, somebody told me, you know, the, the only way you're ever going to be able to play that that Miles stuff is if you have a foundation in jazz. So, you know, I, I'd never been, like, knocked out by straight-ahead jazz at that point. but So I started listening to it out of necessity. It's like, sure. okay, go back. Let's hear, like, the early Miles stuff. That, and then, of course, I developed a taste for it. And then that grew on me, and then I'm oh man, I got I have to get a hollow body guitar, <laughs> to learn standards, you know, So from from that point on, and uh, like that was kind of where it started. It was like the beginning of the '90s, and by the end of the '90s, I had moved to New York. I was enrolled in the New School, <laughs> and I I owned a Gibson L5 and a Heritage Five
0: Seventy Five. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah so you want you went full up you went full in man like full I jazz did. immersion
1: i did i did so that's yeah that was really how it happened um and uh they, i mean those, those were the main those are the main triggers you know getting getting that whole experience hearing coltrane getting that collection of jazz seeing miles on tv for the first time but it, yeah it was also all those um all those shows uh, I would go to catching Schofield catching McCoy Tyner catching yeah. Michael Brecker I mean all these you know like gods to me at, at the original Yoshi's and then when once they moved and then um, there was also a um, the en- uh, one of the engineers who was working on a record told me about this um, this Japantown uh, nightclub where like a lot of the local jazz and studio players would would meet once a week and just and jam. And um, I started going watching those jam sessions. They were amazing. It was just like so few people. It was crazy. It was like late on a Sunday night, but um, I saw kayak art there. <laughs> I'm like yeah. oh my, that's the guy I saw with McLaughlin. What the hell? Um, there was a drummer. Um, from the Yellow Jackets that would play. uh, Billy Kennedy, I I think is his name. Oh, Will Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Frank Martin was the main guy, the band leader. Um, And a lot of these guys had worked with uh, Norder Michael Walden, who had like relocated to the Bay Area and he was kind of like the, he was doing pop at that point, but he would use a lot of these musicians and they would, they would meet, um, oh, the, um, the girl who ended up on the tonight show with Brantford in the band with Brantford Marsalis, uh, Vicki Randall. Uh, oh, cool. she was, she was there. So yeah. So that was, you yeah, know, I, I was also, I was seeing this, this band that was just ridiculous. It was a different lineup every week, depending on who was available. And, um, yeah, all, all of that sort of, sort of yeah, was going on and I think you know visibility wise I was sort of I was only seen as um, you know playing in testament you yeah, know nobody saw all this other stuff that was happening so I think if, if people had been more aware of that it might not have been such a surprise when I came out and you know started um, having this jazz side but this mm-hmm. was this had been going on for a long time. So, anyway, long story. That's that was that was how it all happened.
0: No, I mean that's that's an awesome story, man. Um, I mean, I I didn't know any of that. Um, was what record was the one you were cutting at Fantasy? Was it Practice What You Preach? Was it that one, or was it a? Uh... Yeah. Okay. Right on. Um, what do you think is going to happen to our industry in the wake of like what's happening now? Like, do you think? it's going to go back to normal do you think i mean i know it's kind of hard to see around the present but like what do you what do you suspect is going to happen going forward
1: nobody knows right and many things are possible yeah um we could be talking about this time period in the future saying can you remember how crazy that was yeah we know if our industry would come back we didn't know if we'd be able to tour it you know and we maybe will laugh about it or that really could happen yeah i mean this this could change this you know we're not at a point where it's over i mean i, I don't mean to be uh, an alarmist um, and that's obviously like a, you know worst case scenario but you know th- this is this is a major thing we d- we don't know there is no end in sight right now. Um, the experts you know, the people I, I listen to work in places like Harvard and Stanford and you know, they're, the, yes. they're smart people same here the <laughs> that's, that's yeah. uh, I don't li- the, I do not listen to the politicians on this even the ones I like. They, you know there is no end in sight right now. so we just we just don't know. And I think we should be prepared for either, you know, having our industry completely disrupted, or it going back to normal. Although I I think it'll take longer to go back to normal than many might expect. Um, Not just because of what we're dealing with, but you know, we have um, we have a demographic. All of us. Um, our demographic is getting its ass kicked. Our demographic is out of work. Yep. Uh, unsure if uh, you know, this, if, uh, this trillion dollar stimulus package or any future one, one like it is going to help directly. Um, will the jobs be there? afterwards you know if i mean we we could be in this massive economic upheaval so like even if it becomes safe to have large gatherings of people again um if the economic situation is so bad that you know nobody has a job and nobody has the means to support the music well that that's a that's a whole other problem so um yeah, I I really don't know. It's it's very uh, yeah, it's 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 very uh, crazy to think about. Yeah, I don't spend a ton
0: of time pondering it, but just because like the whole idea of this podcast is to kind of reach out to friends and people who are all in this same business and just see what folks are kind of thinking about.
1: It's just I don't think it does good to to worry too much. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So we know like so far we it looks there there it looks like there still is an industry to come back to at some point um, yeah. so we still hope for the best but but we don't know so we just yeah we need to, to think about that right
0: right um, well any any books records or movies you'd recommend uh, since we're gonna be in for the foreseeable future like what what do you uh, any of the anything of those three mediums, like any or anything in particular you're really digging right now.
1: Yeah. I need to get caught up on a movie. I actually haven't been doing a lot of viewing. Um, but I, I did catch this, uh, HBO documentary called, uh, after truth. Um, it's, uh, it's a documentary about, um, well, the full title is um, "After Truth, Disinformation, and the Cost of Fake News," and I think um, you know a lot of us that think similarly, um, you know, about politics, especially since uh, 2016. Yes, when we all and we all know somebody um, on online that. We just say, how can they, they think that way? Right. Somebody that's just gone full-on MAGA, right, <laughs> alt-right, whatever. Um, this documentary really helps um, explain how that is.
0: I'm going to check that out. Actually, you know what? I had a question about something you just said. Do you like when the blogs pick up on stuff you said about politics? Like, Because... I see. I see that happen with like a lot of musicians. Like, does it bother you, or do you just kind of like you're just like whatever? It's just par for the course.
1: I won't say. I wouldn't say I like it.
0: Right. <laughs> okay.
1: But I, I, won't say I, I'm that bothered by it. I have, I have friends that are uh, that were who that happens to who are much more bothered than it by it. I, I guess I'm. I'm kind of – I'm I'm used to it. It's been happening for a long time now. I used to get really bothered by it because, you know, they twist things around and they sort of – they invite um, their uh, subscribers who aren't necessarily the brightest bunch. <laughs> uh, not all – I mean, I'm, I'm sure – certainly not all of them, but, you know, some of them are – you know, just – everybody has a platform now, anybody in a comment section, you know, you're just going to get attacked. Um, and you know, I've, I guess I've, I've gotten to the point like it does, it doesn't affect me because, um, these people, well, first of all, they're, they're outnumbered by the, um, there's always a ratio. There's, you know, there tend to be more people that are supportive or that make fun of the people that are attacking me. Um, but also, you know, they, they have, no, like, that's all they have is that platform. You know, that, that comment is all they have. And they see whether it's me or Charlie Bonante or, um, Richard Marx has turned out to be this awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he really has.
1: <laughs> um whoever it is, um you know, they see us as these giants. So I I rem- try to remember that and I I've, I've surprisingly like had confrontations with these guys and it's been diffused. Once mm-hmm. they realize you're a person and they're kind of shocked that you actually replied and hey man I I take your plan I I guess I overreacted you'd be surprised the majority of times that has happened so I I think that's been productive and then that that makes me not hate the whole thing the process as as much I mean I I sometimes wish they would go about it in a more intelligent way you know because they're so tabloid-like about it. Testament guitarist slams President Trump's <laughs> words or whatever. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny.
1: And put it in a different way. Um, and also, you know, some of the people that, you know, I'm a, I'm fans of, um, you know, there's, there's bloggers and podcasters that I follow who get in all kinds of trouble and I just, I've, I've heard them talk, talk about it, um, about dealing with trolls and, um, yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, I, I, that, that, that helps me. I mean, I've, I've heard whole podcasts just about that, getting caught up in sort of the, you know, the dark swamp of, uh, you know, these people that are just spewing, Anger, anger i mean some i you got to know the battles you can't win too yeah i like i'll just say a quick told quick story i had one of the most intense blowbacks i've had recently it wasn't even um me getting picked up by a media site but it was um a famous friend of mine his name is chris jericho he's a wrestler yeah Uh, you know he's and you know friends with a lot of musicians and you know music's part of his thing i i I, you know he's a good good good, really good guy and so his podcast because he's so high profile you know he has some pretty high profile guests and he i'm knowing what i know now i mean i haven't talked to him about it but i suspect that um you know when don jr's book came out (laughs) book quote-unquote <laughs> right um, you know they were paying stores to stock it and they were paying uh, to, you know people to interview him so I I imagine he must have gotten some kind of stipulation for but anyway so Chris had Don jr on, on his podcast and did, did a post on it and I just did a very quick saying you know you're still my friend but we need to talk mm-hmm. and just <laughs> over its nest you know is it was just amazing you know yeah you know juniors the greatest and his pops the greatest president and you hate America yeah <laughs> and you're just not, you know what you're not gonna reason with these people it's you know and I got I got a lot of support too. I, um, but it's I'm I'm more fascinated by the whole thing than than anything. And I think you you can't take it personally because you know what? it doesn't affect um, my music. You no, know, um, the appreciation for my playing does, doesn't seem to change. The people that like really like my music for the right reasons they're not gonna say you know oh you know he 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 doesn't like trump I I'm throwing all his music in the track yeah
0: yeah I don't Does think anybody really do that I don't think, I don't
1: think people think do that. that and uh well, actually the last guy who who said that <laughs> he, he said um yep I'm throwing away all my testament records I, I said good listen to three doors down and kid rock (laughs) (laughs) and he was one of the guys okay i overreacted i still love your guitar playing
0: (laughs) (laughs) i don't yeah i don't think i mean you guys testament you guys have a new record coming out and but it's also like you guys have been kicking ass man you know like i don't know i mean i i I guess people don't want to hear a different political opinion but you know it's like You know, same thing with, like, Tom Morello. Like, people kind of attack his thing, but it's like, I think, even though their shit got postponed like everybody else's, like, they were selling a lot of tickets for that tour. So, I don't know who's getting mad and what they're doing, but it's not reflective in the numbers.
1: I know, I know. Well, also, yeah, I think um, Twitter, especially, but just comment sections in general, like, they don't represent real life
0: yeah
1: i think you know the majority of people those people who are buying those tickets to see tom morello and rage against the machine the majority of, i don't think you know they're not out there ranting and raving and commenting on everything the way uh the way some of these people are yeah you know, We're i just definitely not yeah, so I think you may, it may seem like a lot of people feel that way, just because there's so many comments. Just be, I think it's more because the, um, you know, alt, alt-right, right, MAGA, whatever they are, you know, they just comment a lot more and a lot louder.
0: Yeah, that's a good thing to remember, though, man. It's not, that stuff is not reflective of actual reality. Yeah. Especially in these, in the Absolutely. days we're in now.
1: Absolutely, I mean, you can see that even when the not not to open up this can of worms, but the primary election, Mm -hmm. you could see that just from looking online. And I'm not I'm not expressing an opinion about it either way, but it just it really looked like you know it was going to go one way, and you know, no, no, (laughs) a lot of the people who rant online, especially young ones. They don't. They don't show up and vote. And a lot of people who are quiet might not even have Twitter accounts, you know. And you know, older African Americans in South Carolina, for example. Yeah, they they will not miss an election. They're very responsible, diligent voters. <laughs> so right. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's not it's not real life, and um, you, you you can't take take it as real life. Occasionally. Yeah i have to block someone but it doesn't happen very often yeah i had to block someone um a few weeks ago. like somebody just it, it wasn't even i could tell it wasn't even a fan it was somebody you could just tell he knew nothing about me <laughs> describing right. me you're just a guy in a band blah, blah, you yeah. know. but he just started like veering off topic going on all my other threads and Posting negative shit. I'm just, okay, this guy's got to go. That's a drag. That's Psych- a drag. Damaged person. Yeah. But, Plus, you know, yeah. that's uh, the world we live in. So you just yeah, you know, just life goes on, and you just can't can't let it uh, get you down.
0: Yeah, indeed, man. Well, look, thanks for um being on this.
1: Okay, man. Good talking. Stay stay safe out there.
0: Thanks, Alex. I'll talk to you later, bro for more about alex go to alexskolnick.com if you want to find out what testament's up to you can go to testamentlegions.com that's going to do it for this episode new episodes every tuesday and thursday thanks for listening and be well